Thank you to our sponsor, Lifestar Network. Lifestar Network specializes in helping individuals, marriages, and families recover from sexual compulsive behaviors. On their website, lifestarnetwork.com, you can find some pretty thought-provoking statistics, one of which is that 42.7% of internet users view porn. As of 2006, 25% of internet searches are pornographic searches. Lifestar Network is here and they're helping healing. Check them out at lifestarnetwork.com and I will of course leave a link in the show notes. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to the ICU podcast. This is episode 59, When I Was Young and Divorced. And when this episode is posted, I will have just seen Dear Evan Hansen in New York City on Broadway. So I'm pretty sure wherever I am right now, I'm in a really good mood. It's a special play to me. And in fact, I think this is probably, I don't know, maybe the fifth time I've made a reference to that musical on here. I just have such a crush on it. I can't help it. The review for this week is from Wedding Demo, five stars, and it is entitled 50 is a good number. So I think he's referring to episode 50. It says, I felt this podcast today, heart emoji. I've been completely all into my faith for the last 12 years. I never left my faith like some. I just didn't live it at times. Being all in without ever looking back is because I didn't know enough. I will always be on a journey to learn the things I do not know. With that being said, whatever I learn, it will never take away my relationship with God and the things I do know. Keep up your amazing work on this podcast. Someday you will be able to see all the people you have touched. I am one of them. And thank you for reaching out, Wedding Demo. Yeah, faith can be a tricky thing. It can also be a triggering thing and it can be a beautiful thing. So to listeners, you know, wherever you are as far as faith, as far as your belief in God, and and I know that I am openly Christian on here, and I also hope that it's a safe place no matter what your beliefs are. Thank you, Wedding Demo. I'm grateful that this podcast is helping you. I am excited to introduce you to my very good friend, Leandro Cornejo, and he talks really openly and candidly about his experience, stuff that I never knew before this interview, because as he relates in the interview, it's just not a big part of his life anymore. But he was willing and and had mentioned to me that he would be open to sharing some of the things he's learned from his experience when he was a very young, divorced, 20-something-year-old. He's a good guy. Welcome to the podcast, Leandro. Thank you. You are a dear friend, Leandro Cornejo. Will you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. 35 years old, happily married, and I've got two kids living in northern Utah. Now just getting through school, getting through my MBA program. So I spend time with family and do school and work. Where are you getting your MBA? WGU, Western Governors. You and your wife are both Argentine. Yep. Which both is from cool. Argentina. She yeah. grew up in California, and I grew up mostly here in Utah and a little bit in Colorado. The topic of this episode is being divorced, but not just being divorced, of getting divorced when you're really young and you have a lot of your life ahead of you. Will you tell us about your first marriage and your divorce? Yeah, absolutely. So after serving a two-year mission for my church, came back, started going to, to a congregation where it's all singles and met my ex-wife. And then after a short time, four months or so, then got engaged. Quick. Which is actually pretty normal around. I mean, that's about. And that's about how we were. Utah, yeah. Utah average, right? I think we were four months and then engaged for three, and then but around <laughs> in other parts, people think it's totally insane. Oh, absolutely! Don't live together. Date real quick. You get engaged. 
or even mm-hmm. quicker, and then you're already married. And then about 10 months later, we separated. I consider myself fortunate compared to other divorces. There could be more. There's a lot more to it. Whereas 10 months later, no kids. She left, went to a bank and just split the account and signed paperwork afterwards. And that's kind of really it. So when you separated, was there any thought of we're going to separate and keep going counseling, reconcile? Or when she left, was she like, we're getting divorced? In her eyes, yeah, she was, she left. She was done. There was was no. Yeah. What I skipped before that was we first went to our church leader and just say like, you know, we're having issues of communication, you know, a lot of things that new couples run into. No hidden financial problems. No, no like skeleton in the closet type right, thing. Right, right. Obviously not as a trained psychologist, which he said outright, but gave us pointers and gave us some of his life experiences and essentially just saying, you know, don't make a mountain over a molehill. She didn't seem to like that a lot. And so we didn't go back to talk. She didn't like that because she felt like it was a mountain. Yeah. She didn't feel like uh, he was treating it seriously enough. Right. Like he wasn't understanding where in her eyes, and again, to this day, I can't tell you what it was, but I know communication was a factor. So were you pretty happy in the marriage and she wasn't, or could you tell that things were off as well? Things were off. You're walking on eggshells every day. It's just hard. The little retrieve that you find is when you're not home, which should be the other way around. At least for the most part, it should be the other way around. You know, when you get home and it's just this weight on your shoulders, you know, where maybe during the day you're busy doing work or or at school and you're not thinking about it, but then you get home and it's just a weight gets added to you when you cross the door. It's on both sides, I think. So we went to counseling, and I think it was about two, three times. Not too much. And I think it was the same thing, right? Just not getting what she wanted out of it. Maybe she was looking for something specific. Someone telling us, right? Could have been someone she just wanted to someone tell her, like, you guys just don't fit. You guys just don't work. A reason to be done. Right, right. Someone outside. For me, it was good. After she separated, I continued to go to this uh, psychologist because I was still under the insurance for a little bit longer. So I probably did about another three myself just to kind of talk about things. Talked to a lot of people at the time. There were people that they were friends, but I just felt like maybe I called them up and I just unloaded on them. They're probably thinking, I didn't think we were that good of friends. Um, But at, at that moment... You're just reaching out to anyone that maybe will listen to you. It's like screaming to get out to just talk about it, right? Because it's your real life. Yeah. You're kind of reaching for someone that's going to tell you what to do, exactly what to do. When really at the time, no one can tell you what to do because it's hard. As things went on, this was already when a few months I was already on my own. I found a place living on my own. I had a friend from my mission, not knowing much of what had happened. He just said, you know, you probably went through that. So down the road, you can help others. Because you're going to be able to help those that will probably go through something similar. You'll be able to help them. So that was one thing that I remember specifically. But yeah, for the most part, I just tried to have someone tell me what to do. And at first it was, what do I do to make things work? And then it was more of, what do I do to get by and then to get past? Just to survive that time after. Yeah, Yeah. because you have your family. And by all means, my family was absolutely supportive. But at the same time, you almost don't want to listen because you know that they're so close to you. They are trying to make you feel better, but you just want them to tell you what to do and how to make things work with someone that maybe they don't like themselves. (laughs) Yeah. They're seeing how much pain they're bringing to to a dear one, right? Just trying to reach out to to someone who will listen. And you're talking about during the marriages before she left? This was right after. after. Right after. Right after. It sounds like you weren't necessarily looking 
to have people validate angry feelings necessarily. You just were trying to figure out how to move forward. Yeah, or first it was, what do I do? I'm, I'm doing something that's making things not work, so what do I do to make things work? So were you hoping to fix it then? Yeah. Okay, yeah. even after she even left? After, yeah, even after. Because it was that night, uh, she came, so she was just going to stay at her parents' house, and I called my dad afterward, and I didn't want to stay there. At the time, we were staying at her grandparents' house, so we were kind of house-sitting, so I didn't want to stay there. So I grabbed some things and left as well. Just stayed with my parents until we moved everything out. But initially it was to, how can I make it work? But then it got to a point where I realized no. it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Yeah. We probably saw each other a handful of times when we were moving things out, you know, just dividing things when we split the account. And then I remember going to her parents' house and just wanting to talk a little bit, but it got to a point where I realized there's no fixing. There's some really awesome stuff that's ahead for you. But after you finish talking about this experience, now would maybe be a good time to read the essay. Is that okay? Sure. So you shared this essay with me a while back and I was just really moved by it. I thought it was really oh, beautiful. <laughs> it's interesting. You talked about being able to help other people down the road. Me and Rob were good friends with you and Laura for quite a while before Laura mentioned something about you having a previous marriage. And I was like, what? How has this not come up? Yeah. Because it's just not a big part of your life now, right? You talked about how it's kind of a different life. But I remember at the time thinking, I had always thought you seemed like an especially compassionate person. You'd heard some of the struggles I had been through and, and Rob and I had been open with you guys. And then like, as soon as she said that, I was like, ah, oh, that's why. That's why that depth and that compassion probably is in great part to having suffered and gone through this. At a glance, I probably will, will still judge someone too quick, right? Yeah. But when you get to peel back some of the layers, right? Some of those onion layers. Yeah. You just realize everyone's good to a certain extent and, you know, just trying to find some happiness. Even though I had done kind of what was expected of me, things can still go bad. Take marriage and divorce aside. I mean, you can do a lot of things that people expect of you and things can still go wrong. You want me to read it? Yeah. And this is an essay you wrote. You know, I was still going to school. I was going to Weber State. I was in a literature class, great teacher. It was just a writing assignment. And it was talking about myths, expectations versus, you know, reality. It was September of 2008. It was about a month later. So this is pretty fresh and raw when you wrote this. It was pretty fresh. Yeah. So it's called Family Myth hyphen My Garden. Every problem was unusually longer than the last Yet time was moving uncomfortably slow. The clocks on the microwave and stove reminded me of my uneasiness. In the beginning of the semester, I could speak through math problems within an hour. Now every problem was a problem. In my mind, thoughts appeared entertained, vanished without seconds, giving room for new creations of worry, pain, fear. Last two nights, she'd been getting home after 10 p.m. It's not like her, never like her. The house was restless and still creaked, even though my feet seemed to walk on eggshells. All the what-ifs and maybes were present in my mind's audience, but I would push them back until they became a silhouette. Silhouettes that would eventually be realized. The kitchen window was open, giving way to the sounds of true happiness coming from the children outside. I looked out to my garden. I was proud of my garden. Three different types of tomatoes, artichoke, cucumbers, spinach, broccoli, and two different types of lettuces. I had picked all the plants by myself, tilled the earth, seeded, and watered. The June sun was shining on the sprouting leaves as if to recognize my labor. The grass was getting long. I'd have to mow the lawn again soon. What a hassle. 
we were staying in her grandparents' home, adding to the pressure of keeping the yard trimmed and neat in the summer and plowed in the winter. The familiar revving of her Jeep made its way up the driveway, was faded but unmistakable. My heart jumped. My thoughts sifted away. I looked at my math problems with little progress made. I heard the screech of the screen door, and within seconds she was inside. She had asked me months ago to not lock the door so it was easy to come inside, and surprisingly, I remembered. A couple of thuds from her bags let me know she was closer to the kitchen, and the thought, show her you're happy to see her, popped in. Moved the stool from under me and walked around the bar to greet her. She forced a smile, but her eyes mirrored her heart. Her sparkle was gone. It had faded a while ago, and only on some days had I seen it return. Just nights before, I looked through the wedding pictures. Our smiles were eternal, as were our promises to each other. She made her way into the kitchen and we embraced. Something's not right. What don't I know? What was she thinking? What is she going to say? What would I say? It was not a warm hug, not a hug you get after a long day of not seeing each other. It was somewhat of a, of a forced hug, yet she didn't seem to want to let go. Instead of wanting to stall from telling me what she wanted to say, I never felt her heart beat so vividly or rapidly, pounding into my chest as if speeding up my heart rate. She let go. I caught her eyes, a sea of emotions, tossing her back and forth. I can't stay here anymore. I'm leaving. Edith Hamilton said, When love meets no return, the result is suffering, and the greater the love, the greater the suffering. That was the hardest summer of my life. That was my summer of suffering. I would not get to see my vegetables grow or taste the freshness of my garden. Oh, <laughs> it sounds like it finalized pretty quickly. Do you think that was a yeah. blessing? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Her uncle was a lawyer, so she was able to get those drafted up pretty quick and then signed and, and done. And it was, I forget the term, but you know, pretty much, oh, unreconcilable differences. And have you ever seen her since? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, I did. I was going to say, um, what if she gets funny, on Facebook no, and it is like... it was a funny story. It was a funny story. <laughs> I finally moved out. I was going to do summer sales. So I stayed in this uh, apartment for about a year after. And so I was cleaning things out. I found frames. And so I thought, well, she likes frames. So I'm just going to see if she wants them. Literally just want to see if she wants them. If not, I'll toss them. You're She's not trying still, to get her back or anything. Yeah, still no, knowing that there's no chance. No, no, yeah. yeah. You know, I didn't want to. I'd moved on. So I figured she still worked where she worked. And so I went and she happened to be there. She was kind of a receptionist and she sees me and she just had like the biggest eyes. So shocked. She was expecting never to see me again. She was helping a gentleman and so I sat down and she was done helping him and he sat down and he was kind of talking to her and he's like, well, you're kind of young and it's like, are you dating? And she's like, no, no. She's like, well, how about this guy? Are you kidding I'm me? I'm not joking you. It was... He pointed to you and yeah, said, how about this guy? It was, yeah, because it was just kind of a waiting room. Oh there my gosh. There was no one else there. It was just us. How have I not heard this story? And, and yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and again, I was just kind of sitting there because it was... Literally wanted to spend two minutes there. Like, you want yeah. this? Yes or no? Okay. You know, yeah. see you later. He just made it so awkward. What did she um, say? I forgot. I was probably like, no, I don't think so. And then she just went to the back and then she sent someone else out front. They're like, oh, well, she's busy right now. And I'm like, okay, well, just wanted to see if she wanted these or not. No problem. And I just left. But it's funny now. 
I hope everyone can laugh about it now, but yeah, he just kind of pointed. He's like, well, how about this guy? He's, he's young. He's probably about your age. And You're like, we tried that. He's like, been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was, uh, so yeah, once. And then after that though. You never see her um, again? No. She married someone that I knew. Actually, a friend of mine from high school, his older brother, they ended up dating and got married. I think he was going to uh, medical school and moved out, moved out of the state. Hopefully cool. things are working out for them. Yeah. Your experiences increase your empathy for others. And like I said, I feel like I have been a recipient of that. So thank you. Sorry you had to get divorced to do that. But I remember with my mental health issues, which I talk on here all the time about. Listeners, if you haven't, you can go back to episode one to hear a little bit more of my story. But you and Laura were totally a safe place during that time. Were there people who saw you through this time that made the process easier? Saw you with compassion or connected with you? Yeah, absolutely. Again, you've got family. They always want to be supportive. You know, they're always in your camp. They do see you how you are, but they also see you how you, how they know you are. And so I, I have them thinking about that life. As you mentioned, it's a completely different life. Right now, it's almost like a bad dream. It's almost like a restless night with how long ago it is. Probably the reason why I needed compassion. <laughs> One, and I always joke about it, sometimes my culture is probably not very compassionate. I oh, think, really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. There'll, there'll be some other folks, right, that will say, like, you know, Argentines are pretty prideful and think better of ourselves. I have heard that. I heard yeah. the joke that Argentines stare up at the sky <laughs> and smile because when lightning happens, it means God's taking their picture. <laughs> I believe it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that we're thinking quite a bit of ourselves. And there's eat a lot of meat, right? Tabangus beef. It's great culture. So there's that, and I think about it. Well, maybe we just need to learn the hard way sometimes. And then I remember on my mission, and maybe I had run into someone who was either divorced or separated. And I remember walking back, and so I thought, if I ever got a divorce, I want to be able to live through it. Mm. Like, I wouldn't be able to do it. I flat out told myself that. And then I come to find out, right, toward the end of my mission, my sister got a divorce. So I came home and she was living with my parents. She was living back home. And then, you know, take a few years later, I'm going through it myself. But turns out you can. Can live Um, through it. Yeah, you can live through it. It's kind of a cliche thing, but I mean, I think time does something. If anything, just give it time. Just go one more day. Just give it time. Things like that will just fade. Because now I, I read that. The time I probably wrote that in tears, right? I even told my teacher about it, had a good conversation with her, and maybe I got an A on it because of that, right? <laughs> yeah. Now I read it, and I'm like, oh, that person went through a lot. It seems like there was a lot of suffering there, but it's not bringing anything back to me. Um, You're not in it. Yeah. Maybe that takes away from the compassion. Which is amazing. But, no, it's like, um, but, fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't. And I think that just goes to show that there's things that you think that you can't do that you can. Whether they're things that you set for yourself or whether there's things that you have no control over. Now, one of the things that I learned through that was no matter how right I thought being together was, you know, you're not going to control someone's ability to choose. I knew that the best thing was at the time was to be together mm-hmm. because our church teaches, you know, if you're living righteously, if you're doing the things that you need to be doing, you can make it work. It didn't happen. You can get through that. It really is just taking it day by day, just letting that time just pass by. And you can do it differently. You can let time go by and look back, kind of let bad things marinate, or you can try and find the next thing in life to take on that you can look forward to. That's some really good advice. If you could go back to yourself that day when she comes and she says she's leaving, what would you tell that, Leandro? Ah, probably just show myself a picture of Daniela and just say, look, it gets better. <laughs> That's your little girl? Yeah, 
that's that's my firstborn. Time will heal it, right? I'd hate it at the time. That night that it happened, you know, I went and, and slept on the couch at my parents' house, and they had something going on, right? And so I was just laying like in the couch, not able to go to sleep, but also not wanting to interact with anyone. But you know, their life was going on. It was absolutely terrible. What was happening to their son, to their brother, but their lives were going on, right? I remember, you know, when people would would laugh and carry on, it would hurt. It's lonely. I'd be upset. You yeah. guys should be feeling this with me right now. Right. Especially those closest to you, friends and family. You, you can't ask that, right? They'll be there to support you, but lives aren't put on hold. They're really time. isolating and lonely. I know I felt yeah. that with my anxiety and depression, PTSD mm-hmm. stuff. It's just like looking at other people like, how can you possibly be living? How can you function? Yeah. When my life is crashing around all yeah. around me. You're just chatting about movies like it's nothing. Yeah. It's wild. Whatever you're going through is literally shattered. For me, it was important to realize that I can't ask them to put their life on hold. I don't know what I would tell myself. That wouldn't sound like a cliche. I'd just say, hey, you know what? Just get through tonight and get through tomorrow and take it day by day. Pretty soon, it, the days, instead of being longer, they, they just kind of go back to being shorter and normal. Things seem to go slower when you're going through a lot of pain and suffering. Days just drag on, especially if you're trying to do it by yourself. And I had a lot of time because I got an apartment shortly after that. Had a lot of time to myself and a lot of time to ponder and to pray and think about things. And I like that, having a picture of your kid. Yeah, if I could do anything, I would like just you know, a picture of my family and yeah. just say, here you go. Yeah. This will happen. It's coming. That's what you want, right? A lot of times when you have suffering, most likely it's something that, that you want, right? And yeah. you lose it. And then if you can see down the road that you're going to get it. Could alleviate some of that suffering, maybe. Yeah. If there is someone listening who's feeling discouraged because their life is not turning out the way that they had planned, which happens to a lot of us, I think. You feel like you're doing everything right. You checked all the boxes. You did what you were told, and this is the result you were you were going to get. If there's someone that's kind of in the middle of that, I talked to someone just yesterday that's, that's struggling with that. What message would you have for them? Maybe they're starting out with that. I found it super helpful for myself to go to talk to someone, someone professional. I don't think it was a coincidence that after that, I changed my major and I went into psychology because for me, it it impacted me so much about human behavior and what we do, the reasons that we do it, what motivates people. And so for me, it was helpful to talk to someone. And that wasn't the only time down the road a few years later, I went back again. If you're still trying to work things out or still in that situation, maybe walking on eggshells. It's just good to talk to someone professionally. There are those that want to help you and mean well, but a lot of times if you're talking to someone in your family, it's going to be biased in, in what you get. It's going to be helpful. It may be helpful, but my perspective is, you know, it's going to be biased and that's fine, but it may not be the best thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was helpful to talk to someone professional. If it's already happened and you're you're trying to recover, pick up the pieces. Yeah, yeah. Pick up, and I think it's going to be going to be different. You get back to men process things differently than than women for me it, it it helped me to be on my own that night at my parents you know and I stayed with them a few months until I moved out but I didn't know who I was and so I needed to have a place that was mine find out who I was if not then I, I wouldn't know where to go what to do next if I didn't know who I was I mean you go back to the dating phase we were both young so we probably weren't exactly sure who we are I didn't know how to date I didn't know that it was better to do things, to do activities. It sounds ridiculous, but I really didn't think that was it. For me, it was, 
spend time with the person that I'm going to be with the rest of my life, whether you're just sitting on the couch or just kind of being with family. But it wasn't, let's go out and do things, how you interact with other people, have experiences, likes, dislikes. Uh, I realized that I had to figure out who I was. So for me, it was being on my own. I called friends. You know, I talked to people who were completely on the outside, didn't know what was going on. That helped. Sometimes just a little bit of simple advice of start going to the gym, find something that you like. You know, from there, I, I got into boxing after that. You know, I started to figure out what I liked, what I didn't like. So if you're in that situation, try new things, try to find yourself, try to get to know yourself again or for the first time. That'll give you at least a little bit of a compass of where you can go. Man, I want to do that. That's really cool. And you don't have to you don't have to go through a divorce to do it, right? You don't. I'd recommend not to. <laughs> yeah. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you can avoid all that, you know, they say that wise people learn from others' mistakes, and so uh, you can do that. But sometimes you're the creator of the situation, and sometimes you're not. And what you do with it after actually determines quite a bit more of who you are. Yes, and I really appreciate that. I don't sense a lot of any sort of malice from you towards your ex-wife. I think that is a credit to you and also maybe some of that counseling you received to have that unbiased perspective and not just hole up with your family and like be mad for <laughs> just, years, which yeah. I can see could be a temptation, but yeah. that wasn't the path you chose and I think you're better for it. Yeah, it could have been the reason that we were just together for a year and a half or however long, right? It was a short time, so it could be part of it, but I think it just goes back to over time, you just forget. You want to hold on to the bad things, but you just forget to. It's just easier to kind of just let go of things than to keep that. Sometimes it's hard. As I mentioned, no kids. So it wasn't this continual seeing each other and memories pop up and feelings come up again. And maybe right. it might what a be. Blessing. Yeah, maybe it would be a completely different story. Hopefully not, but maybe it was just a clean cut. I mean, just rip that band aid right out. Move forward. Better for it. Well, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Leandro is just so wise and his wife, Laura, is so special and they have these special sweet little babies. I loved his advice of figuring out who you are specifically. And I really think that can apply to all of us. If we want to live a wholehearted life, as our good friend Brene Brown says, I think we need to know who we are first so that we can show up authentically. Another big thank you to this week's sponsor, Lifestar Network. I often talk about how suicide is not just a teenager problem or an LGBTQ problem, but it's everybody's problem now. It's a problem in our generation that touches every family. And I would say the same thing for pornography and other compulsive sexual behaviors. It's not just a man's problem or a teenager's problem. It is everyone's problem now. And I can't imagine that there's a family out there that hasn't felt the effects of pornography in their relationships. Why I'm saying this is that you're not alone. And I'm so grateful for the work Lifestar Network is doing to help people and relationships heal. Please know you are not alone in this and there is help out there. Check out lifestarnetwork.com and thank you to them for sponsoring this week's episode and for their ongoing support of this podcast in general. Thanks for joining me today. Next week is our season one finale. Not to worry, there won't be a break in between episodes. Season two will begin the following week with an episode released on Friday as usual. My name is Julie Lee and I see you.